0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sam Talks
1: Technology, your weekly guide about all things tech and business with Sam Sethi. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sam Talks Technology. I'm really excited because I've got a wonderful person joining me today. His name is Fran Schrepf. France, hello, how are you? You are the Strategic Partnerships Manager at Hopin.
0: That's correct. Uh, very much looking forward to today.
1: Now, Hopin has been doing amazing. For those who don't know who've been living under a rock, first of all, quickly tell everyone, what is Hopin? Sure. So Hopin is
0: a all-in-one virtual events platform. So that means that we do everything for your virtual events from registration to the actual implementation, the streaming, all the way down to the analytics, all within one platform. So that means that you don't have to use any of our tools if you don't want to. But we, of course, also integrate with other events tools as well. And I believe you, you actually hosted an event on, on Hopin recently.
1: Back in March, we did the first podcast festival and we looked around and yours was the best platform. And we had an amazing event, 500 paid subscribers in the first lockdown. And then we did a second event in the second lockdown. And we're going to do a third event, hopefully not in the fourth lockdown, though. We're looking to do one in early April, March, early April. But they've been great. So thank you for that. Now, with Hopin, you've had this rapid growth. But let's start off with who's the CEO and how did the idea come about for Hopin?
0: Our CEO, Johnny, had the idea for Hopin actually a couple of years ago. Due to health issues, he had to isolate at home. He had an autoimmune disease, which meant that he couldn't go out to events and meet a lot of people. He still wanted to network with folks, though. So what he did was he actually built a plugin for Slack communities where members of a Slack group could have a chat roulette-style networking event. So they could network with each other via chat roulette for their own platform. And then after that, he just realized we could actually spin this out. So actually he just added a stage onto it and then had the chat roulette as well. And that was the first virtual event which was ever hosted on Hopin, was this stage element where there was a presentation and then people would meet via chat roulette-style networking. And since then, the platform obviously added sessions and expo areas as well in a couple of offer tools. But the core of the the platform was really formed in 2019 in June, when this first event took place and the company was incorporated. So we've been roughly in the market for 18 months now.
1: Okay. Now, 18 months. Now let's tell everyone who hasn't read about you. So 18 months. Obviously, COVID hadn't hit when Johnny first came up with the idea. COVID then, let's say, hit in January of 2020. It started seeping out from Wuhan. But you can't have had a better moment for a company. You've ridden the wave. The current valuation of the company is $2.1 billion. You are a double unicorn in well, less than 18 months. That's an amazing growth.
0: Definitely. It's something which Johnny has always been talking about. Ever since I joined back in March, uh, we were less than 20 team members at the time. And Johnny always said, we're going to be the fastest growing company in the world. At the time, we were all... He was a visionary CEO and we were all very bought into the idea that this would happen eventually. But we didn't expect that it would happen actually in November to 2020 already, that we would be one of the fastest growing companies. So it's definitely been a, f- a phenomenal ride from eight team members back in January to... 300 when we closed the year 2020, and we're looking at 400 team members just now in, in January already. So just this week, today, we had more than 30 people start at Hopin, which is yeah, a well, mind-blowing pace.
1: <laughs> we'll come back to the hiring and growth in a minute. But what was it like, because you've gone through two rounds of funding, the first round of funding was for $40 million, the second round of funding was for $215 million. Who are your primary investors into Hopin? Who are the lucky <clears throat> people who invested early?
0: Actually, there were free funding rounds in 2020 alone. So the first one was announced in February, the second one in June, and then the last one was announced in November. And those included stellar investors like Accel and Tiger Global and IVP. But to be honest, we don't really talk about funding that much internally. Internally, the milestones we celebrate are user milestones. So for example, for 1 million users, we had a really big party. I was wearing a unicorn outfit, everybody dressed up. We really made it a a milestone which was worth celebrating when we had our first 1 million users. And that's something which I really like about the culture as well, is just that funding is basically filling up the gas in the car, but it's not something which should be celebrated. It's not a milestone in itself to raise funding, because that's not where the battle is won. The battle is really won in the market when you go out and you actually engage with your customers, close deals, and host fantastic events, which spread the word because... That's something which is really unique around Hoppin is just a viral coefficient. So every time we host an event with 100 people, for example, we actually get four or five new customers coming out of that. And we host several thousand events per month with an average of roughly 250 people. So uh, the math on that is just mind boggling in terms of how much inbound we get every day, just based off of our own events, people who've experienced events like yours, for example, and then came to Hoppin and said, hey, we actually want to do our own event as well.
1: And let me just say that analogy is wonderful, filling up the fuel, because it's the journey, which is what you're describing is the more important part. The, the money fuels the journey, but the journey is the enjoyable part and how you take it. Now, give us a little flavour of what it felt like when the madness kicked off, because it did kick off. You had, I think, 16,000 people at one point on a waiting list to try and get a hop in account internally give people a flavor of what it was you woke up in the morning and it was oh my god the world and their dog has just knocked on our door and how do we service them what was it
0: definitely we actually had already a wait list of ten thousand people before the pandemic started so that was january and february just with the announcement of the funding virtual events was already something which was interesting to a lot of remote communities so for example publications on Medium or Slack communities were interested in bringing together their members through virtual events. Then obviously once COVID hit, we got several thousand inbound requests for the platform within every single day. So our HubSpot and uh, Salesforce CRM was just blowing up with leads every single day. And everybody who wasn't coding was on deck selling the platform. So that was around the time when I joined. Johnny understated to me what amount of inbound we actually had. He said he needed some help with sales. And I just came out of my own startup journey. So it was kind of drained of energy and I didn't think that it would be that intense. But we did end up doing very long hours, doing 20 calls a day, closing deals for the platform as well. We didn't have a very good filtering system at the time. So it was definitely the, the wild west of our startup journey and also of the virtual events industry in itself, there were no very established players at the time who were acting in this space. It was Hopin and a couple of other startups which were at the same place, and then a couple of established companies and others who were already around in the events industry for a long time, but were caught off guard by the coronavirus. And Johnny always says that COVID was actually one of the worst things which could have happened to Hopin because through this coronavirus event, it acted as a catalyst for the entire industry, but it also meant that everybody was rushing in. All of a sudden we became overnight from fringe virtual events for Slack communities to a mainstream product and a mainstream concept which everybody knows about and I get inbound like requests via LinkedIn, Slack uh, or uh, other channels as well. About the platform, and even my friends write me randomly. Hey, check this out! I've been on a Hopin event. That was the kind of virality of the product, but it meant also that we had a lot of competitors on our heels, especially throughout April, May, June of last year, which we needed to to shake off in order to to come out.
1: And well done to you. Now, tell me, what were some of the biggest platform events that you hosted? You were telling me offline about some of the things, the like UN and TechCrunch, but what were the <clears> biggest <throat> ones that you had last year?
0: Definitely. So one of the big events which kicked everything off for us was the Wall Street Journal Health Summit in March. And there we, there were speakers announced, Anthony Fauci, for example, and it was really a reaction to COVID. So that was a, a, a great moment for us because we felt like we were doing our part by bringing together world leaders and, and thought leaders around the pandemic as well in order to do our part of bringing people together in these difficult times. Another really big event, and milestone for us was the the United Nations Global Leader Summit, where we had 20,000 people attend from all over the world. It was very cool. It was a Chasing the Sun style event. We started in New York and then ended in New York again with the event. And uh, while we were able to swap out our account managers throughout the event in order to give them a break, actually the UN team, I believe, were. Their agency, they were on for the entire duration of the event, really servicing the U.S., APAC, EMEA, and, and all different regions with very events. Cool. And we had speakers, Al Gore, Angela Merkel, attendees these events, which was just phenomenal for everybody to see, that virtual events was something which was not just a fringe thing anymore, but all the world leaders were doing these as well. And then in September, we had uh, TechCrunch Disrupt hosted on the platform as well, which was very exciting.
1: So... Now you've done these great events and you've had a year of amazement. The next thing, we talked about it a little bit earlier, you're growing phenomenally. Tell me, you've you've gone from, you said, 20 to 400 right now. You're taking on 30 or 40 people a week. I think I saw a quote of something you want to take on, 800 new people. That's correct, yeah. Are these the numbers correct that are being reported or is everyone exaggerating?
0: No, so these are correct numbers. Hopin had a phenomenal journey. There was a period in time where we're actually profitable as a business, given the inbound as well, which just meant that we needed to stack up. The indicator for us is always the amount of events which are created this week, indicate how much headcount we will need in the upcoming weeks, just because when these events are all implemented, there's more support and queries. There's more demand on customer success and also on the platform itself on engineering. So that has always been a good indicator. And I remember times in, in June, for example, where it was very clear that if we don't hire fast enough, the weight of the demand and might actually suffocate the, the company, which would have been a disaster. We never came close to that, fortunately, but it was very clear within the team that all hands on deck when it comes to recruitment, refer all your friends in, bring everybody in, in on board in order to make sure that we, we can scale up alongside the demand, which is in itself very hard as well. There were definitely companies who started at the same time with us and excess demand is never a guarantee that you'll be successful. It does definitely come down to execution as well, even if you get the timing right.
1: Now, one of the things you've done, which I think is amazing given your fast growth, is you don't have a centralized office, you're a virtual workforce. How's that been? Because that's obviously a trend through COVID, but you've actually had to implement it as the company's grown. So how has it been growing pains while you've done that?
0: Definitely. Being virtual has actually been more of a benefit for us than a drawback. And I think one of the benefits of being remote is just the access to talent. So that has been part of our culture from very early on. Johnny actually founded the company as a remote company And while I believe that part of that decision was just, you know, rational around financials as well, hiring engineers in remote geographies is easier than hiring engineers in central London. We've actually used that as a strength for us when it came to hiring, because if you're hiring 30 people a week, you can't rely on all these people living in the same space or even relocating to the same space. So if we were, for example, to have a headquarter in London and we were to hire every single engineer just in London, we would really struggle to meet the the demands of the business with that Just because of delays, for example, for people to move, then visa applications, all all kinds of different issues would arise, which you don't have with remote. With remote, you just need to ship a laptop over. And then we have engineers and customer support members and salespeople in, I think, 36 countries right now where we already have locations. What's really interesting as well is that we already have hubs popping up as well. So normally what happens is you would hire, for example, one person in Richmond, Virginia, who then refers a bunch of friends and former colleagues, and all of a sudden you have a cluster of 20 people who are all from Richmond, Virginia, which means that there's a good chance that we might, for example, set up a satellite office at some point in that area if we ever move into co-working space office-style arrangement. Right now, there is no real plan for that, but who knows what the future brings as we continue to
1: scale. You will eventually go to what I call the word of 2021, hybrid. You'll have a hybrid workforce to help people have hybrid events. It's just going to happen because all of us, as much as we love working from home and the remoteness and not having to waste time travelling, there is also that joy as well of being connected to people uh, and just that serendipity that sometimes happen when you meet people. So I think that there's a lovely a balance between the two that will naturally form in a company culture yours might be three days at home and two days in an office for certain people and maybe certain people never come in an office who knows time will tell
0: i think one thing which is really important to keep in mind though is that I believe some of the the best people out there and some of the best talent will actually insist on being remote once the pandemic is over, just because they've learned that they actually function better, for example, remote, or it allows them to be more flexible with their lifestyle, with their family. So I think in order to be competitive as a company in the future, when it comes to talent, you will almost have to offer some sort of remote, flexible working setup, which allows your top performers to actually live in Bali or live in Canary Islands for three months a year if they want to.
1: Well, why not? It's the way forward. Now, tell everyone where, if they wanted to come and join Hopin, where they could go and find all these jobs that you're listing.
0: We have a careers page, com slash careers. We're advertising more than 30 roles right now. And these are really roles across the spectrum from sales to customer success to engineering and even roles, which I never heard of before, which pop up when you are scaling so fast as we are, for example, a total of rewards director who is just responsible for perks and benefits for for employees. All of that is something which we're hosting. (laughs) Hurry up and join whoever you um, are. Very incentivized to get that person on quickly.
1: (laughs) Home delivered lattes. Yes, keep that one coming. Actually, no, Scott Galloway did say that companies who are, you know, moving to remote working or even who started as a company with that remote work should look at how they can provide the perks that you used to get in the office. So you're doing an audit of the home office that the people working, they need a good chair or a good mic or a big screen or whatever it may be, the right lighting, because you would do that in a natural office, but most people are not doing that for the home worker. They might have a really bad chair or they're having to work in a really awkward place in the house. It'll be interesting to see how it evolves.
0: Definitely. That's why we also have a $800 budget for everybody who starts just to make sure that the basics are covered obviously laptop is separate but that's just to give you your standing desk and in my case a treadmill or whatever you might want to use a second monitor in order to be as productive as you can at home
1: the massage chair didn't make the cut then did it (laughs) (laughs)
0: next year hopefully we get another 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 bonus
1: (laughs) okay the company's 18 months old it's it's super high valuated as a, a double unicorn you're growing rapidly but last week you acquired a company that I quite like called StreamYard. So, congratulations on the acquisition. What was the thinking behind acquiring StreamYard and how's that going to fit in with Hopin?
0: There's definitely been a thesis around why StreamYard has been acquired and that revolves all around streaming being an integral part of uh, the Hopin platform and the virtual events experience. Streaming is such a central part that we really wanted to have a powerful studio integrated into the Hopin platform and Hopin experience for organizers to create beautiful events. If you think about it, virtual events went through a similar rise as, for example, Instagram in the early days. So initially you could take a picture of your food and you add a filter and then just upload that. And that would be enough to wow your friends. But then everybody started using DSLRs and adding Lightroom stuff to their pictures in order to make them more appetizing for the audience and we're going for the same stages in march april it was okay to host a virtual event no matter what it looked just because it was awesome to venture no, into that space
1: no i'm sorry we used OBS and did an rmtp into the hopping platform we did what you're doing with streamyard yeah. Of so not everybody was happy.
0: Not everybody. No, there were already early adopters and um innovators in that space. But definitely a lot of organizers were happy to just bring a virtual event online. But even like organizers where you wouldn't expect it, like associations which haven't been at the forefront of the technical development, are now asking about high-quality streaming, about additional services, integrations, gamification, in order to create more unique event experiences. And that's really what we're after. Hopin should really be like an empty warehouse where we have some chairs and tables and a stage, which we have as a default. But then if you want to bring your own light system, if you want to bring your own speakers and maybe even a box ring or something, like that, you should all be able to bring all the tools you need in order to host successful events into that warehouse or that event venue. And that's really where where the need for StreamYard came in. We really wanted to have a powerful studio, which we could provide to our organizers in order to create beautiful events because every beautiful event the host is going to attract more organizers for additional events in the future
1: and i think so will streamyard remain as a standalone company as well so the way i use streamyard right now for example is i do live podcasts and i will say push it to facebook or youtube or linkedin and that's great and will hop in just be one more platform destination from within streamyard but equally if i go into hop in Will I then have all the, eventually, I guess, because it's the early days, eventually the, the nice abilities within StreamYard to have nameplating and zoom in, zoom out. So what's the timeline, do you think, for the integration
0: It's a little bit too early to mention a timeline just yet, but you're definitely on the right track. StreamYard will remain its independent business, and there are good reasons for that. Gage and Dan, the business they founded is incredible. So StreamYard was founded in 2018, so only roughly two years ago, and they have a team of 19, but already revenue of 35 million. So whatever they are doing, they're doing it really well, and uh, we definitely don't want to tinker with that. So StreamYard will continue to do what they're doing right now, but they have additional resources from being part of Hopin, which is super exciting as well. I, I always compare it like, to to basically YouTube and Google, for example, emerging in the early days as well and then growing together as, as two entities, but still remain their own kind of culture and, and values as well. But on the Hopin side, you're definitely on the right track. We definitely want to increase the availability of StreamYard within the platform and just make it easier for people to stream from StreamYard um, into a Hopin event, maybe even embedded that's something which time will tell, but it's just something which is now possible given the the acquisition as well.
1: So I believe that you're going to be doing a Hopin StreamYard event on the 3rd of February. Can you tell me more about how people might be able to join that to find out more?
0: It's something which we announced on the last Thursday, actually, when we announced the Streamyard acquisition as well, there will be a fireside chat with Gage and and Johnny is founder of Hopin as well as the founder of StreamYard about the acquisition and also the future of virtual and especially hybrids events, which is something which we're we're very excited about, the, the future of events as we return to a mix of in-person and virtual. And that will be happening on the 3rd of February on Hopin. So you can actually sign up for that if you just go onto our website. On the top, there's Find Events, where we have our events marketplace. And there you can see Hopin 2021, which is the name of the event, but also hundreds of other events which are hosted on Hopin if you, you want to check out some virtual events if you have nothing to do this weekend.
1: I don't know what you mean. I have nothing to do this weekend. I don't know. Now, last couple of questions. Is Hopin going to be eventually acquired, do you think? Or are they trying to build a platform? Or is it going to be an IPO? What's Johnny's view? What's your view, maybe?
0: It's definitely a little bit early to talk about exit strategies, just given the fact that the company is only 18 months old. Right now, the combined revenue of Hopin and StreamYard is around 65 million, which already puts it in a, a significant scale. And Johnny always jokingly always mentions that an IPO in 2021 is not off the table, even though time will tell exactly how the company continues to grow. I think what's more important to say here, though, is that there's just an incredible potential for Hopin to grow into adjacent businesses. I read a quote recently, which is, all of real living is meeting. And that's something which I really think applies to Hopin as well, because what we do is we basically facilitate meetings of larger crowds or, or larger congregations online. So it's a virtual town square. And now think about all the things which happen when you meet. When we meet, we, we connect with people, we trade with them. So there's a lot of commerce going on. We celebrate and enjoy. We flirt dating, for example. We hire you don't people, anymore. Like, I, I, <laughs> you've
1: got a girlfriend. You don't. Yeah. She will listen to yeah. me say so you don't flirt. Definitely not. No, I I got
0: married in October. Even worse, don't flirt. No, but other people might might still want to meet their love of their life online. But we also learn when we meet other people, right? So there's a lot of education going on. So there's just a, a ton of different areas which we can explore and where, where Hopin is already being used, but we don't actually have a specific focus on them just yet. Universities in itself is a huge use case for us where we already partner with a lot of Ivy League universities in the US, but it's not something which we have actively explored. And that's something where I think a lot of tools will come into play, which we either integrate or incorporate into Hopin. So similar to StreamYard, where streaming was such a big part of the virtual events experiences, there are other providers as well, for example, registration pages or rental companies for equipment for hybrid events or CRMs where you can manage your community. All of that are adjacent areas where we really need to explore which ones are the top tools we want to partner with, or is there an opportunity for us to actually own part of that market as well and growing into it? And that's part of my role in partnerships as well.
1: Okay. Now, quick question, slightly left field, but do you use Clubhouse? are you on Clubhouse?
0: Not yet, no. My wife is very active with her, her startup in the audio space, so she's been raving about
1: it. The reason why I, I raised the point with you, I've been playing with it, and I'm mixed on it. I'm at one hand, wow, the, the simplicity of Clubhouse, and you join up, you've a room, people join it, and guess what? You can have people on stage, you can have people in the audience, and you can invite somebody from the audience to talk. The initial stupidity of everyone running around going follow me follow me just annoyed me because it just reminded me of the early days of social media everyone trying to get the biggest social graph they could to, to somehow make themselves feel important but as I slept on it I thought about it from a podcasting world actually if they could add recording to it it would make maybe doing what we're doing right now I could just do this as an audio thing we, we're doing it on zoom and I could simply say, hey. Franz, just join me on Clubhouse, we're going to do a quick audio, I'm going to record it, and bang, I'll, I'll then get that out as a podcast. But if anyone else joins the room, they might have a question. So you and I might be sitting here and talking, and then somebody puts their hand up, and wow, okay, let's invite X into the room, and that makes it much more interactive. And it just dawned to me, as you were talking about hopping again, I could have five or six people up on the stage in Clubhouse and I could have a thousand people in the audience watching it and it's in real time. Do you see them maybe as a competitor to what you're doing or is it purely because it's an audio and you're a video thing they're just two different worlds?
0: I haven't thought about it like that just yet so I wouldn't say that Clubhouse is a competitor. I think what Clubhouse and Hopin do well is that they're live. So for example, our virtual events, if you want to attend, you have to be there at a certain time. And similarly in Clubhouse as well, these are live conversations. So you have to tune in whenever Oprah, for example, is live. And I think that's something which we'll see a lot more in the future, just because there is such an overload with content these days. There's just so many podcasts, there's just so many books, there's so many blog posts, which you could read, that the only way to get people to actually engage is really force them to be there at a certain moment in time. To consume your content so i think that's something which we'll see a lot more whether clubhouse will grow into a similar space is something to be seen but we already see a lot of organizers recycling content from their events as social media content which i think is, is a genius idea as well because if you have for example an event stock where you have hundreds of speakers and presenters and breakout rooms and workshops there's every single one of these is recorded so you can take the audio and create a podcast You can chop up the videos and create short form videos for YouTube or Instagram. And you can transcribe a lot of the content as well in order to create blog posts. So out of a single virtual event you host, you can get three, four weeks worth of content out of it.
1: We did exactly that. We put them all onto a podcast festival website. We took audiograms of them and we took snippets and quotes. You have to repurpose it. I think they have a parallel path, both Clubhouse and Hopping at the moment. One's an audio platform, one's a video platform. I think there's always going to be a requirement to see the speaker, maybe their notes, their presentation, and I think Clubhouse can't address that. I think in the podcasting world, which I live in more, I think if they add recording, there could be a serious serious thought for most podcasting hosts to have to think about. I'm doing an interview with a guy who runs Asia Podfest, Wayne and him and I are going to be doing a clubhouse this week and we're going to record that clubhouse by a means I won't tell you because it's it's not illegal but it's certainly not permitted on clubhouse let's it that way <laughs> well you but should definitely gonna... drop me an invite I, I will, will. To... perfect I will thank you and so we're going to record that I'm going to talk about the future of podcasting and uh, advertising within podcasting as well and we're just going to record it and see if it works but it'll be an interesting experiment Now, before we go, tell me, where can everyone, again, find out how to join Hopin, how to become a conference organiser on Hopin? Where do they go?
0: So the easiest way to get started would be on our website. So we have there just a contact us button where you usually get a availability for a call with one of our sales team members within the day to learn more about the platform and also the next best steps. And you can also sign up for a sandbox environment if you just click on the top right corner on sign up and then you can host a small event for up to five people. We're also on all the social media. So you can join us everywhere there. And just hear more about the news. And again, on the 3rd of February, we also have an event. So if you want to see what a live event looks organized by the Hopin team themselves using StreamYard, then the 3rd of February will will have a great event uh, for you.
1: Brilliant. Franz, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations again to everyone at Hopin on the amazing growth. And whether it's an acquisition or IPO, I don't think it really matters. Yeah, you'll all do very well.
0: <laughs> time will tell. But thanks a lot for having me, Sam. Thank you Sam That show was amazing Don't forget to visit samtalks.technology to discover more great shows See you next week Same time, same place